Welcome again to Antioch Waltham. My name is Mark Buckner, and pastoring here, also oversee our churches along with Sean Richmond, the guy in the bathing suit. Just tells you how respectable we really are. We are in a series on the book of Romans this summer. Do you love the Word of God? I mean... Anyway, I love God's Word, and this is, this is precious to me as I, as I read it, and I am so privileged to have to, to meditate and reflect on it and to pray about it, to say, God, what are you saying to us? So it's, it's just a, an honor. So enjoyed Brian Marcioni the last couple of weeks, and the grace of God in his life. And uh, so we, let me just give you the overcap, the overview of the series as we've been through so far this summer. And it, it goes in four basic sections, and we've divided that into a, about 10 or 11 weeks. And the, it's the first four chapters that we're focusing on. We're, we're going to dip into the beginning of chapter five, and Pierce Van Dunk is preaching next week. So he'll be back with us. I, I asked him again and again, like, are you sure? He said, yes. So he'll, he'll be with us. And stepping into chapter five, but the first chapter is really not good news. It's saying you're a mess, that we have all sinned. And it goes into detail about that. In the second chapter of Romans, it says you can't save yourself by obeying the rules. You can't. This, this blessed forgiveness and experience with God and relationship I'm sorry, you can't turn a crank and make that happen. And chapter 3 gets into some good news. Jesus has done a work through his death, burial, and resurrection to provide this freely for you. And chapter 4 is interesting. It's about the life of Abraham, who is the example of our faith. So, Chapter 3 is grace, and chapter 4 is faith. We are saved by grace through faith. And today, I, I counted there 11 times in this chapter, it says the word faith. So if I could project that up there, and we're going to show you this verse right, the passage, part of the passage right now. It's, it's about faith. Today we're talking about faith. And that's... That is a simple thing, but at times it's not easy. And I can explain this, and, and this chapter is almost like a legal document. There's many repetitive words. It's almost, I'm thinking it's saying whereas, 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 multiple times, which is the legal, an example of a legal document. You kind of have to read it really thoroughly because it's very detailed, and talking about the law, and talking about circumcision, and talking about, it says the name Abraham multiple times. 
It says righteousness multiple times. It says credited multiple times. And so it, as I read through it or I listen to it, I played it in my car as I'm driving, and I'm just listening to the Bible read, and it, it feels very repetitive. But it's, very, it's because it's very exact. So let's, let's read. I, I should have a statement to kind of give you an idea. This is a definition. The righteousness of faith, and that's what this chapter is about, being right with God by faith, is a door you enter in, that door is Jesus, and a life of perseverance, of gratefully receiving relationship with God through his promise based on his character that you don't deserve and can't earn. So, and that, that's a mouthful, right? That's a very intense, very, every one of those words have deep meaning. And that's, that's why Paul wrote this letter. The whole book of Romans is his response. It's kind of a, 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 a statement of faith. It is a, it's a very thorough doctrinal approach to explaining what salvation is. After years and decades of him arguing in the streets and talking in homes and answering questions and planning churches and working with communities, he's, he's worked this again and again. Every one of these arguments, he's had a thousand times. And so this is the systematic approach to answering a whole bunch of questions. And we've been going through that up to now, and now it's about faith. So, we have a passage here, and I'd like you to stand up with me. We're going to read this. So, I'm, I'm going to see, I'll set the pace, and we'll read it together. Your words are significant. It connects you to what you're reading. It's, it's an emotional experience to read out loud for us to do this corporately. So, therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification." You can be seated.
Now, if we go back a few verses, in verse 9, actually, Paul makes a statement. He uses a phrase. He calls it the, the blessedness. And I, I think this is precious. Last week, uh, Brian had the uh, responsibility of talking about circumcision and kind of explaining that. If you weren't here, wow. I can't even describe to you everything in that sermon. Trying to say something a little bit strange right now. It's uh, teasing a little bit of, of the, the intensity of that, it, that word as well as the depth of the teaching, which I'm not teasing about. But he gets in this phrase, is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Basically, is it for just for the Jews or is it for everyone? Is it just for people that were part of this community, this heritage, or is it for everyone? And he's saying, this is for everyone. And what is this blessedness? Go back two verses. It's a psalm by David. It says, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. David was the guy that committed adultery, then killed the woman's husband, and then was accused by or uh, challenged or uh, exposed openly in front of Nathan the prophet. He repented and he was forgiven. And all of that thing that he did was released by God. He had a clean slate again. So David said, this blessedness, this ability, no matter how much you screw it up, no matter how much shame is in your life, no matter what you've been through, to be forgiven. This is wonderful. And... I'm tempted to dive into everything that is precious about our salvation. How wonderful, how awesome this thing is that we receive, that, that God does in, in Isaiah 53. It's talking about healing and forgiveness and restoration. Something that, that affects everything in your life. This blessedness. And... This is what actually was happening before Israel ever existed. And that's the story of Abraham, who was not just a, uh, a, significant, the, uh, a significant leader, but he was, he was the beginning point for the Jews. He was the beginning point for their whole nation. And so when he talks about Abraham, the Jews who are part of the population or the focus of this letter, they're sitting up and, and listening and seeing that every one of their rules didn't exist when Abraham was living his life. This is before Mount Sinai. This is before the Ten Commandments. It's Abraham. This is before 
All, everything of obedience had happened or been communicated to them. And in this chapter, Abraham's life is given as our example. And there's three things I want to focus on that he brings out. And the first one is that faith, and that's the first few chapters, it's faith is not a specific right. It's not this thing you do. It's not a something that you, you just say a few words. And that's the example of circumcision. It's not something that if you'll do this thing, God will open up heaven and he'll, you have a relationship with him. When I was living in Indonesia, I went to an event. I was invited by um, kind of the youth leader of a local mosque to their version of World Mandate. It was a regional conference of uh, Muslim missionary leaders. And uh, they were challenging people to go into missions. They had a, uh, the speaker was talking and he said, how many of you will commit to 50 days of a dakwa? And there were about 300 people in the room and about 40 of them stood up. And then they gathered around each one of those guys, sat them down and they talked to him and prayed with them. And, okay, are, are you with me? I'm in a very strange environment. I am the only guy with us, without a hat on. I'm the only guy during all the prayer times that are doing all that. I'm, I'm sitting there with 300 other people. And I, am, I, am, I haven't been in an environment like this before. So I didn't quite know how to respond. I just, they invited me. I had built trust with these guys, and they let me in to kind of to this inner circle thing. And I'm wondering what I got myself into. <laughs> so at the end of the meeting, at the end of the night, the, the leadership team gathers. There's about 10 people in a room, and I'm invited into that room. And the, the keynote speaker, the expert from out of town, had a really tall white turban. And we're in a group, we're eating and talking on the floor, and, and my language is, I've been there about a year at this point in time, so I understand a lot of what's going on, but I don't understand everything that's going on. But at a certain point, the guy with the white turban leans, a, he, he, he asks a question of the guy that's, that invited me. They're having a conversation. I'm picking up bits and pieces of this. And then he turns to me and he kind of, we're all sitting on the floor on a, on a big piece of carpet. And he kind of scooches over to me and puts his hands over my face and says, say this. Say this. And he says the Muslim confession of faith. You know, there's no God but Allah Muhammad is his prophet, say this thing. And, he, and you have to say it in Arabic. You have to say it kind of in a certain way. And I, I did what I do in many situations. I played stupid. <laughs> I looked at my friend and I said, what? What? And he says, say this, say this. I said, huh? What? He did about three times. And then he just went, ah. 
believed that if I repeated these words, boom, like abracadabra, it would happen. That is not what it means to become a Christian. It's not some thing that you do if you, if you, and it's not baptism that makes you a Christian. Baptism doesn't save you, but it can set you free. A place of obedience in your life, of following Jesus in baptism, can break a lot of things off of your life that have you bound. But it's not going to get you into heaven. There's not a specific right or thing that you do that gives you righteousness before God. Faith doesn't require good character. So that is this whole thing where in this passage is talking about the law again and again. And Abraham lived before the law, but Abraham had righteousness credited to him. Abraham did a lot of stuff. He gave his wife to this king a couple of times. I mean, it's like there, there are things in the Old Testament that you go, wow. But he had faith. But it wasn't based on rules. Now, many people... When they think about Christians, think, we're all about rules. I know Christianity. I know that thing. You guys just have a whole bunch of morals. And that's what it's all about. If you're somebody that's looking in from the outside, that's not what it's all about. Obeying the rules does not make you right with God. Now, again, that's so confusing because that's how everything else in the world works. But relationships don't work like that. I don't, it doesn't matter how many rules I obey with my wife. She's looking for something else. She's looking for a relationship. Not me doing it right but a, a level of understanding and intimacy and trust. And that is one of the best examples we can have of what it means to, to walk with God, a level, a level of vulnerability, intimacy, trust, not rules. So it doesn't matter how good you look on the outside. And this is a common argument, isn't it? So-and-so, yeah, they're just such a good person. Why would God ever not just say, it's okay? But it's not about rules. And here's just a little insider news. That person who has it all together, they've got a story too. Good news, bad news, every one of you in here, you've got a story. You've got something where you go, well, if you finally corner me on that one, if you really knew, yeah, I do not deserve forgiveness. I, yeah, 
the laws say no. So it's not the ceremony. Faith is not the ceremony thing you do. Have this can't squeeze your face and say, say this after me. It's not some rite of passage, not just things like, and, and we do this, it's crazy. I, I, entire denominations have been started in part of the world saying, no, you don't baptize backwards. You baptize, you have to spin to the right and spin to the left and then go back. And it's got to be for five seconds underwater. What, you know, I'm not going to get into why people do things like that. But they have added something onto Scripture that is not there. They're saying if you do this thing, you'll be okay. And you're down a hole so deep and you don't have a ladder to get out. All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin are death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's Romans. I just quoted several passages in Romans. It's this, this place of faith. It's not based upon your performance. It's not based on seeing. It's really, it's, now this, this gets a lot of people stuck as well. Like, I can't see it. I can't prove it. And Abraham is the example. He looked. He didn't pretend. He didn't, like, say, no, 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 no. I'm still 35 years old and virile as ever was. He looked at a circumstance. He did not deny reality. He looked beyond what is seen. So it's, it's not a, it's not living as Nile. You're not ignoring the fact. You're not saying, I'm not lost. I'm not sick. I don't have any problems. It is, it's actually moving into another realm. Because faith is the unseen realm. Now, if that sounds a little spooky to you, you actually do believe in invisible things. How many of you believe that wind exists? Can you see it? How many of you believe radio and television waves exist? Can you see them? There are other invisible things that are really there that you cannot see, that are beyond your sense realm. And that's where Abraham lived. His faith was rooted in a promise out of a relationship with a person. It was not, it wasn't one plus one equals two. It was one plus one equals three. It was, it was a, a higher level of understanding. Now, everything that is in that realm 
isn't necessarily good. And uh, I've, I've been in different environments, and I, I'm not quite sure how many countries I've been in, a few more than 50, and in all, a lot of different cultures. And most places in the world have a spiritual worldview outside of the West. You don't have to argue with them about this. But in Boston, where we are very, very intelligent, it becomes a complicated conversation talking about the invisible. But I just want to pull you back into again and saying, when I'm sitting down in East Java talking with a witch doctor and the people in his neighborhood, they believe and have seen healing happen through this guy. So they, the invisible is a reality to them. Now, if you have a problem with that, that supernatural things happen with people that are not connected to, to Jesus, then we go back to Moses. All right, Moses standing before the sorcerers. They throw down their rod and it becomes a snake. He throws his down and it eats their snake. The spirit realm exists. God is a dimension above and beyond all of that. So just because a, a person can move something in a, in a Ouija board or a fortune teller has some ability to see something or know something, they can't part the Red Sea. They can't create planets, okay? We're in an absolutely different dimension when we talk about our Father in Heaven. There's, there's no comparison. And we are so impressed by these little toy spiritual games that happen at times. People freak out. I'm going to tell you, that's cheap stuff compared to our Creator God who lives in spirit. And Abraham tapped into that. This is what the faith was, is him seeing who God was. And hearing his voice and walking out for year after year after year after year of infertility and being confident. There was something beyond everything that had ever happened in his life. Every mistake that he'd ever made. Everything that he'd ever done. Something beyond. So rooted in the character of God that all of his disappointments and all of his shame faded away. A little peek into about 10 minutes from now. That's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to invite you in. For all the places of disappointment in your life, where you prayed something and it hadn't happened yet, I want you to come back into relationship. And not your performance, not your things, saying it in the right way or doing it in the right way to get something to happen in your life. Faith lives in the middle of disappointment and keeps going. Faith lives in the middle of the, the stinky garbage of life. And 
and is able to move beyond that. Not denying that where they're at is painful, is disappointing, is crushing, but saying, to him who is able to keep me from falling and present me before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only wise God, be honor forever. That's so much of, of our struggle is, wait a second, you don't, you don't know my parents. You don't know this spiritual person in my past in every way that they've done something wrong. You, you don't know. I've tried that already, and it doesn't work. Well, it doesn't happen by works. And not only your parents and that leader, but every other person on the planet has screwed up. So your story that's the worst thing in your life is just the same as the next person sitting next to you. It's, it's different. It's different. There's different people involved. There's different timing. There's different levels of pain. I'm just telling you, what you see is not where your faith comes from. That, that event, that experience that was, was horrible, and we need comfort. I'm not denying that we need comfort, okay? We need compassion. But Abraham's faith was walking through to the other sides. He had, a, he had hope against hope. And uh, there's a couple of passages that are interesting. I, I kind of want to go at, when I'm talking about faith, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 11. Say, God, that faith is believing that he is. So that's this spiritual thing, okay? I'm not sure that I can prove it to you. I, I, I don't know if I can argue it with you long enough. I'm not sure that I can answer every question. But I just tell you, I know my Redeemer lives. And I... I have experienced things that I can't fully explain to you that are more real than anything that I've ever seen. That don't fade, that don't shift with time. And I've, I, less than some of you and more than some of you, I have been deeply crushed in disappointment and had nice people do bad things to me and say bad things about me. But I, I have to continue. My faith is not based on those things. My faith is on God's character and his promises. It's beyond everything that's happened in your life. And this is, this is what Abraham did. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. 
So he had a promise and he was thankful. That is faith. In the middle of wherever you are to continue to be thankful, that you're reaching out there. You're moving beyond when you just say, Father, I just want to thank you. That I'm not thanking you for that thing. I'm thanking you in that thing. All things are not good. And all things are not the will of God. But God will make all things work together for good. For those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So... We, we struggle within ourselves, you know, trying to answer these questions and answer other people's questions and make it right. But what I have in God's word is a revelation of the character of God that's consistent, that is good, that is beautiful and amazing. So I trust in his character that's revealed in his word. I trust in his promise that he's going to be able to, to do what he promised in me and through me. And he's and it's going to be good. No matter what else has gone on. And I I we that's where we live in this contrast, right? God is good and life stinks. How do we how do we get those things to line up all the time? But if we, if we bring the goodness of God into these smelly places, it becomes fertile ground for life. And we think it's invalidating God's word, these stinky, horrible things. But it's actually just a place to prove the reality of his presence. And it's... it's it's only people that have lived in brokenness and acknowledged how weak they are that actually understand what grace is. It's, it's not doing it right that gives you relationship with God. <laughs> it's doing it wrong. Because when you fail, you realize how desperately you need him. And grace makes sense when you realize how messed up you are. It doesn't make sense if you're saying you've got your act all together, that you're smart enough, that you can understand it, you can explain it. This, this really is for people like Abraham who have done a, a lot of things wrong, but believe in the character of God who has promised them. I'm going to put that up in front of you again. The righteousness of faith is a door you enter. This right relationship with God comes through the door, the way, the truth, the life. His name is Jesus. And it actually, if you have that faith, the fruit of it is perseverance. Perseverance doesn't get you in. Perseverance proves that you're in. Are you with me? Perseverance 
doesn't save you. Perseverance proves that you're saved. You're still clinging out of desperation. You're still weak. You're not, you know, so many people get saved by faith and live by works. You get saved, you enter the door, and then you say, now I've got to please Jesus and never do anything wrong. You need to live by grace through faith, not just get saved by grace through faith. And the place of disappointment, the place of failure in your life is when you got off that track. And you got back onto the rules and the laws and judging things by what you see and trying to earn it. Come back to your salvation. Walk away from a rules righteousness. Walk away from living by what is seen and come back to faith. Because it's it's based on his character and his promise. You, you cannot earn it. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to say anything bad about you, but you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. So this is this mystery that Paul is preaching about. And... Again, how does it work? How do you do this thing? First, get lost. You have to get yourself lost. You have to be, I need a Savior. Sometimes I say things that I think are funny, that a few people laugh at. (laughs) And when I realize they're not funny, I, I try to go on and act like I didn't try to say something funny. So get lost first. You've got to know that you need a Savior. Then humble yourself. And like Abraham, you enter in, God, you are true. It's not this thing that I'm trying to work up to say, save me. And I, if, I, if I get a certain feeling or if I do a certain thing or I say it in the right way, I'll get some. No, it's based on you, God. You're the one who's doing this. I'm throwing down. Prove it. Save me. Live in my life. Put your desires in me. I give you everything. I'm not holding anything back. <coughs> save me, Jesus. Not, I, can you really save? Do, do, am I believing in the right way? No. Save me, Jesus. You are. I see. Can you see how good he is? Can you see how amazing what he's done in the revelation of his character in the Bible? Oh, yes. So, here's what we're going to do. I I just want to invite two things today. One is, if you've never opened the door, if you've never said, you know, you're hearing this information and somehow in your mind you're going, I don't know that I've ever really done that. I'd, I'd like you to do that right now. I'd like you to say, yes, I need a Savior. Jesus, be king of my life. It's not just 
saying, help me. It is, it is saying, not my life, but yours. If you've never done that, we're, you know, it's, I was raised in a church where we had this environment and we sang a song and we looked around the room and we said, who's going to let go of their chair and rock down front? <laughs> Pressure's on. And so I struggle with that, you know? I, I don't want to make social pressure the, the wall that people jump over. To become a Christian, there is one thing you've got to do. You've got to be willing to embarrass yourself in front of 200 people. <laughs> We're not doing that. But Jesus will bring you to a place where you deal with whatever fear of man that's in your life, whatever you're afraid of at some point in time, okay? So if you want to pray with someone today, um, who in this room would like to pray for someone to give their life to Jesus? Anybody? Lift your hands if you say, I'd really love to do that. That would be exciting for me. Just look around. One of those people. Find them. Find them. And, at, and talk, tell them what's going on in your life. I want the rest of us to stand up. The worship team's going to come up front right now. And I want you to <clears throat> I want you to come back to the purity and simplicity of faith. And so if you've been in a place of disappointment or confusion or just been off in the road of Rules and regulations. Will you come back to faith with God? Will you come back to a walk of grace and faith? And some of you, it may be a matter of like, I just took a short detour last week and I'm in a, I'm in a hole again. Come on back. Some of you, it may be years. We walk by grace through faith. We live, we persevere because of what God has done in our lives. And if you want to pray with someone, there are, you know, a lot of people near the front row actually come to church dreaming that they get to pray with somebody. <laughs> so come on down here. We'll find a way to pray with you and pray for you. But the rest of you, reconnect. Affirm your connection or reconnect with Jesus. And we're going to worship as we do that.